Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Belonging to God. This is our final week zoomed in on a pregnant person and seeing how God is at work in their life. If listening to this episode is not something you feel up to, I understand. Know that God is with you in your journey now and always. However, if you're a regular APT listener, I do hope you'll come back next week. No more pregnancy stories. And if this is your first time listening, please check out episodes 24 and 25 called Whoever and However to get to know all places together more. There's this story about some Pharisees in the Gospel of Mark. Pharisees are Judean religious leaders focused on following the law. They thought that following the law is what kept them in right relationship with God. And these Pharisees have come to question Jesus about paying taxes in the Gospel of Mark. The Pharisees want to know if it is lawful for people of Jewish faith to pay taxes to the emperor. Now, there's a lot of nuances here, but I'm going to cut ahead to Jesus's answer. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. On the one hand, it seems like Jesus is giving some permission for them to pay the taxes with the coins that have Caesar's face on him. The coins are Caesar's, right? His face is on it. But on the other hand, I think Jesus is implying a question here. Doesn't everything belong to God? For many of us who are Christians, I think we would usually answer this question yes. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the matter that is everything. It's all God's. I am made of earth that has been enlivened with the spirit of God. Someday my body will decompose into the earth and the atoms that are me today will become something else then. I marvel at this that I am part of this sacred and holy rhythm of life and death and life again. I marvel that for these years while I am alive, God trusts me to take care of my body and love and nurture those people and creatures and creation that are around me and that I get to create new things with God. For some, one of the most powerful, meaningful, and central ways that they create with God is through birthing children and or raising children. It's a core hope for many adults to be part of the miracle that is a child coming into the world. And each birth is truly a miracle. It turns out that creating and giving birth to a child can be quite difficult. Even if a couple has sex during the fertile window, there's only a one in four chance of conception. Then anywhere from 10 to 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. 
giving birth is also very dangerous, even here in the United States. Moreover, giving birth is even more dangerous for non-white parents because of the systemic racism that persists in medicine. So this is all to say that when a child is born and lives, it is a miracle. I imagine that parents throughout time have felt this way too, especially before the dawn of modern medicine. I think we see this in the biblical narrative too. We've already heard the stories of three biblical mothers who basked in the presence of seemingly especially miraculous births. Sarah and Elizabeth conceived in their advanced age. Mary gives birth to the Son of God. And today, we will read the story of Hannah, who deeply wanted to be a mother for a long time. She desperately wanted to co-create with God in this way. Hannah's story is at the very beginning of 1 Samuel, which is part of the Hebrew Testament. This book starts a new narrative arc within the wider Testament. Sarah and Abraham, who hopefully you're a little bit more familiar with now, Sarah and Abraham's descendants have become a nation of people. There's lots of them now. They move into Egypt to survive a famine. They were enslaved there by the Pharaoh. And then they were led out of Egypt and into freedom by Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. Then the people lived through a number of judges who weren't like Judge Judy, but rather were like a combination of military leaders and political rulers. It was a complicated time. Now in the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, God's people want a king. They have seen other nations do great things with kings, and they want one for themselves. They are jealous, and they want a king. God hears their cries, and even though God's not really sure it's going to work out the way they think it will, God puts a plan to get a king on the throne of Israel into motion. And this plan starts with Hannah. Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had another wife as well, and Elkanah and this other wife had children together. However, Hannah has no children. And this is definitely a point of tension in her relationship with Elkanah and the other wife as well. And the other wife does not seem to be really kind or sympathetic to Hannah's situation. Each year, they would all go as a family to visit the temple. And on this particular year, Hannah spends some extended time praying to God for a child. She is desperate and raw in her prayers. And though she is praying fervently, she says them silently. So her lips are moving, but she's not making any noises. Eli, who is the priest of the temple at the time, sees Hannah and he actually accuses her of being drunk. And this appalls me. I cannot imagine saying this right off the bat to someone. Like, even if I was thinking it and was concerned about them, like, I wouldn't lead with this. But Eli does. Anyhow, Hannah responds that she is not drunk, just that she is very deep in prayer. 
Eli reassures her that God has heard her plea and God will answer her prayer. And this is where our reading picks up for today. I'll be reading 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19 through 28 from Wilda Gaffney's A Women's Lectionary for the Whole Year, Year W. Hannah and Elkanah rose early in the morning and bowed down and worshipped before the Holy One of old. They turned back and went to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Holy One remembered her. And it was the turning of days that Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She called his name Samuel, God hears, for she said, From the God who hears, I have asked him. Now the man Elkanah went up along with his whole household to offer the Holy One the yearly sacrifice on account of a vow. Yet Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will bring him, that he may be seen in the presence of the Most High and remain there perpetually. I will present him as a Nazarite in perpetuity for all the days of his life. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what is best in your eyes. Stay until you have weaned him. May the faithful God establish the words of your mouth. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And she took him up with her after she had weaned him, along with a three-year-old bull. And she took him up with her after she had weaned him, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a jug of wine. Hannah brought him to the house of the ever-living God at Shiloh, and the boy was just a boy. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the boy to Eli. And Hannah said, My Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman, the one who was standing beside you in this place to pray to the God who hears. For this boy I prayed, and the faithful God gave me my asking what I asked from God. Therefore, I have bequeathed him to the gracious God. All his days, he will be a bequest to God whose name is holy. So she left him there and she bowed down and worshiped the faithful God. Finally, Hannah was able to do what she had always desired. She conceived a child and gave birth to Samuel. Hannah is thrilled and thankful, so thankful that she does something totally unexpected. She decides to dedicate the child to God and to have him grow up in the temple and to train to be a priest. This is particularly bold because having a son meant stability for her future. If Hannah were to outlive her husband, a son would be able to inherit a share of the property and then would be able to take care of Hannah. She would have a place in his family, a home and protection. By giving Samuel away, she's giving away that future stability too. The word that this translation uses is bequeath which modern English uses in terms of naming a beneficiary for a will. So it's interesting for bequeath to be used here. She bequeathed her future life, represented by the son, 
by giving him to God. It's a powerful moment. What Hannah teaches us with her actions is the same thing that Jesus implies in the story I shared about the coin. All that we are, all that we have, all that we create belongs to God, even our children. And we can trust God with our most precious creations. God loves them too. God will watch over them and God will watch over us. Hannah has experienced now firsthand God answering her prayers. She trusts this God who hears to hear her prayers again. She trusts that God will continue to provide for her and protect her. So when Hannah feels that the time is right, she takes Samuel to the temple and leaves him with Eli. Eli watches over him, cares for him, and eventually helps Samuel understand God's call for his life. During Samuel's growing years, Hannah visits him each year and brings him a robe that she made for him. Hannah understood that Samuel was from God and that she followed her heart in giving Samuel back to God. Now, Hannah does end up having more children, both sons and daughters. Her other sons would be able to protect her if she outlived her husband. Hannah is then remembered for her perseverance and faithfulness. Then Samuel, her first son, is remembered for being the prophet who helped establish the first kings of Israel. They are a family of deep faith and trust in God. But emulating her perseverance and trust is really hard. A more cynical side of me thinks that Hannah gets this sort of unattainable happy ending that very few other people in scripture get, let alone in real life. Yes, she persevered and was faithful, and she got what she was asking for and more. Now, the tender side of me knows that her heart hurt for a long time before Samuel was born. I'm really glad life worked out for her. So I hold both my cynicism and my tenderheartedness together while remembering that life doesn't always work out this way for everyone. Right? The reality is that things we fervently pray for don't always happen. And not only when it comes to conceiving children, but all these other things that people pray for too, for peace and healing, for meaningful work, for loving relationships. Our prayers are not always fulfilled in the way that we want or in the time that we want. Believing that God is working in our lives can be difficult when it seems like our prayers are not heard. Persevering in our faith at times like this may be truly impossible, and we may even choose to walk away from God. But what if we do get what we pray for? If what we pray for does happen, we may not be ready to hand it right back over to God. Now, there isn't really a modern-day equivalent to bequeathing your child to the temple to become a priest. This isn't something that people do anymore, 
And I think that that's really for the best. But I do think that there are parallels to modern life here, a way that we can live out this sort of trust. All people are co-creators and caretakers with and alongside God. We create art, music, literature, poetry. We tend the earth, growing plants and nurturing animals. We show love to the children of our siblings and friends. We build communities. We find families. And yes, we give birth to tiny humans. These people, relationships, and projects are deeply rooted in our hearts, and it may seem that they live at the core of who we are. The truth is that God really loves them all too, especially when it comes to living things. God loves them even more than we do. I've said it now a few times, everything is God's. Even that which we love most and hold most dear and comes from us is God's. So we work on trusting. We work on trusting that God cares for the things that we care for too. Perhaps providing other people to care for them or even leading them down paths that we wouldn't choose. Not all of our artistic creations stay with us forever. They go out into the world inspiring others. They bring joy and laughter. They make room for sadness and anger to be expressed. They create awe. They help people grow in their understanding of other people and other places. Not all that we tend lives forever. For our sources of food, it's kind of the whole point, that we eat it. But for the creatures that we tend for love, this is very difficult. Plants and pets die. Farm animals move on to new homes. We may not always be able to live on the land that we love or even be able to visit the land that is important to us as often as we would like. Communities grow and change. Priorities may shift within an organization, leading it into a different direction than what we had planned. Even if you start something, chances are you will need to pass on leadership at some point. Or it's even possible that your organization may not last forever. As I am currently leading the creation of all places together, This one cuts me particularly deep, and I'm like, so not ready to talk about it. But for others of you, this last one may be the most difficult. Children are always their own people, and hopefully grow up into adults with people, passions, and projects of their own. Children do not belong to their parents. They don't exist to complete their parents' lives or fill out their families. I remember feeling so excited for my nephew to be born because I had always wanted a nibbling of my own. But he actually isn't mine, and he never was, and he's not really my brother's and my sister-in-law's either. 
Children are always their own people. And they are gods as adults are gods too. Moreover, even as children, they co-create and caretake with God too. They make art. They grow thing and tend creatures. Children build relationships and sometimes even start ministries, businesses, or nonprofits. No matter where we are, who we are, how we are, how old we are, God is with us as we create and caretake. And God is with us as we let go too. Letting these creations, creatures, and children loose in the world so that they might live into the fullness of life that they were created for. That Samuel was created for. That Hannah was created for. That I was created for. That you were created for. Prayer for Letting Loose Faithful God, I had this plan. I had it all figured out. I told you about it a lot. And I learned from Hannah how to pray. I learned from Hannah how to hold on to hope when others dismissed me. But I'm also learning from Hannah how to let go learning how to trust. You created all that is, including me. You are with me as I create and live into the life that is before me. Help me to hold on to your love while helping me to let loose of my expectations and the expectations of the world that keep me back from the fullness of life that you have created me for. Show me how to let loose, or at least hold more loosely that which I hold dear, so that your love and light can fully blossom. Empower me for the work of loosing others from what holds them back too. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. Y'all, I loved seeing so many folks tag and share last week's episode, Foundation of Friendship, and last week's prayer with their friends. It was like watching this ripple of love go out into the world across social media. And I have to say, Seeing my mom tag one of her besties who she met in birthing class over 37 years ago was also amazing. Their friendship was one that provided a foundation of friendship for our families to grow up together. 
but know that wherever you met your bestie, I'm so glad that you found each other and I hope that you shared the prayer with them. It's Thanksgiving week and I've got something special for you. This week, our Facebook and Instagram will be sharing four different breath prayers written around four different sources of stress that often come up during the holidays. Be sure that you're liking and following us on Facebook and Instagram at All Places Together to see them. I hope praying them will be meaningful for you and that you'll share them with someone who you want to love and support this week as well. Let me say that I am so thankful for each of you who listens to All Places Together. Whether this is the only episode you have ever listened to, you listen at the same time every week, or if you binge on lots of episodes when the time is right, thank you. Creating this podcast has been one of the greatest joys of this year, and knowing that it impacts others fills me with gratitude. To continue to see All Places Together grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all the ways you share the stories of All Places Together with the people in your life and engage with the All Places Together community throughout the week. This week especially, I hope you'll share the All Places Together podcast with someone you know who is traveling and looking for a travel buddy along the way. It would be my deepest joy to accompany your family and friends on their journeys home on trains, planes, and automobiles this week. Until next time, remember that God is with you wherever, whoever, and however you are.